0: We are live.
1: Welcome, everyone. My name is Leah Klappman. I am Managing Editor for Education at the PBS NewsHour, and you are here with Connected Learning Television TV. This is the third webinar of an April series entitled Journalism Today, News, Literacy, and Learning in the Digital Age, which was organized by the National Writing Project, thank you, Fusion, Youth Radio, the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, and us, the PBS NewsHour Student Reporting Labs. Um, if you're watching this, please take a moment to share it with social networks. Um, my, tw- my hashtag, my uh, Twitter handle is at um, LClap, and um, I'm your host today. So we'll be talking with Lynn Vader, Joel Malley, Chris Sloan, and some of their amazing students um, that they work with with the Student Reporting Labs program. And um, before we dive into that conversation, it's going to be really interactive. We really suggest we want to hear your questions. Um, and get to issues that you're thinking about. Um, but a couple of quick details. For those watching live, we welcome um, you to either use the hashtag toNextPrez or ConnectedLearning, um, or you can also use the Q&A feature that you'll see, that you see in the video player. And we will do our best to address all of the questions that come up. Um, the webinar is also being co-streamed at the National Writing Project's EducationInnovator.org website. Um, and it's part of a series related to Letters to the Next Pres, President 2.0, um, which I'm just reading here from uh, the description, which engages and connects young people ages 13 to 18 as they research, write, and make media to voice their opinions on issues that matter to them. So, again, that's the hashtag, #tonextpres. Um And this webinar, webinar will be available um, in the resource section of letters to president.org. And you'll find many other resources there related to the election and other writing opportunities. So um, we wanted to go around and give everyone a chance to introduce themselves. Joel, if you could start off um, with yourself and the students who are with you in the room.
2: Sure. Hi, my name is Joel Malley, and I teach at Chittawaga Central High School uh, right outside Buffalo, New York. Uh, I've been with the National Writing Project since 2003 and have been uh, working with uh, PBF Our Student Reporting Labs for two years.
1: And then the students who are inside a different room, if you guys could introduce yourselves.
3: <laughs> and um, Lynn. Yes. I'll go ahead and start. Um, I am Lynn Bader, and I work at WNED WBFO as a senior producer and director. I've been there almost 18 years, and a lot of what we do, at uh, our station, both radio and television, is try to engage with the youth and work with the youth. So I was so pleased to be a part of this project as a mentor-producer for these lovely ladies here. And I'll let them take it over.
4: Um, I'm Tatiana Moses. Uh, I'm a senior at Chiquito Central, and um, this is my first time doing anything I to do with filming and editing and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: Thanks
0: Tatiana. Hi, I'm Dejaboo Romer and I'm also a senior at Chittuaga Central and this is one of the first projects I did this year with any filming and I'm appreciative for Mr. Mali and Lynn. Thank you. Great, thank you.
1: Um, and now let's go to um, Chris Sloan and if you could introduce the students who are with you.
5: Sure. My name is Chris Sloan. I teach high school English and media at Judge Memorial in Salt Lake City, Utah. And like Joel, I started with the student reporting labs a couple of years ago uh, in the summer. And um, I've been with the National Writing Project for a while. Uh, 1993 was my first connection with them. And I have the privilege of teaching students like the ones who are about to introduce themselves right now.
6: Um, I'm Mary Oliver, and I'm a junior at Judge. Um, this is my first year in Mr. Sloan's class, and I'm looking forward to doing an internship uh, with PBS News Hour this summer. Yes,
4: we're looking forward to that, Mary.
6: I'm Katie Scott.
7: I'm also a junior at Judge Memorial, and this is my first year in New Media and working with PBS, and I look forward to taking the class next year and you know, having another year working with PBS and creating
1: stories. <laughs> awesome, thanks guys. So um, just to give people a little bit of a background about the Student Reporting Labs program, um, it started uh, in 2009 with six pilot sites. The idea was really we had always kind of worked with teachers who were using current events in their classroom um, and the news hour and I would talk to students and teachers and say, you know, let's watch this video together. What do you think? are you interested in this topic what do you think about the tone of voice of the person who's presenting what do you think of, you know the way it's edited Um, and constantly I heard that news for adults you know it could be used in a classroom they could play a video about the election or about what's happening in Afghanistan and that could be connected to what they're learning but over and over again the students said you know I don't see anyone who looks like me I don't hear people who sound like me and it definitely doesn't feel like it's produced by someone who's like me um, and so we really sought to, to fix that problem. That was the challenge. And um, so we started in 2009 with those six sites, and we just you know kind of said, like, let's try to produce current events about big issues, important issues, but that are happening here in our community and that, that are happening to young people. Um, so out of that experience, we... Um, produced a curriculum kind of working with the students and saying like what do you need to learn to be able to produce these kinds of video packages or to tell these stories Um, and with the teachers and so we created a curriculum out of that and we um, have kept going we now bring uh, teachers to Washington DC to have a boot camp where they go through the same experience that their students are going through um, and really learn how to you know work in teams and use the equipment and go out there and produce stories um, and then we bring all-stars. So we bring, um, actually they're now called fellows, and so we bring some of our star students to Washington, D.C. too to kind of be leaders in, um, in the program. And instead of, you know, kind of explaining more about it, I feel like I should show you. So um, if we could play the kind of tape that shows the, um, the student reporting labs in, in action.
7: I'm just gonna get the video set up here.
1: Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It'll start playing momentarily.
2: My school started with the TBS
6: SRL program the
8: and I think that it was an amazing experience, and it made me look at news in a new way. It made me appreciate all the news packages and all of the anchors that I saw.
0: The student reporting labs have been exceptional because of the involvement with both WHRO locally and PBS nationally.
3: And they learn that the process is involving students with professional mentors. Uh, They just see it as a
8: win-win. Being a mentor for the PBS NewsHour Student Reporting Lab has been such a rewarding experience. I love being able to pour into them the things that I've learned over the years as a journalist. Sometimes we sit down and go over the scripts and I'll ask them, so what's missing? Sometimes they can tell me right away. Other times they'll say, "Miss Lisa, we don't know. What is missing? So I'll go over that with them.
3: The Common Core is all about emphasizing informational and nonfiction writing. And that can sometimes sound boring to students. And what's so wonderful about this program is that students are picking stories that they feel personally passionate about. They're then delving into them. They're researching them. They're reporting it out. And then they're taking all that knowledge and integrating it back into a final news package that they've put together themselves. And that's very empowering for them. They're owning the news. And it's really what real-world editing and reading and writing is all about.
8: Over the course of the school year, the students not only grew in their video editing and reporting and production abilities, but they also grew in their confidence um, in themselves.
4: PBS has helped me become a very eloquent speaker and writer. And it's helped me become more noticed in class, too. Whenever there's a subject to talk about, I'm always the first one to raise my hand and give my input. And being a student in an urban community, it's very hard to find a chance like this. So I think I could never pass it up. I've learned how to edit on a computer. I've learned how to write, expanded my vocabulary. I know how to work a camera now. It's just I've
2: learned a lot. It's just a great experience. I mean, it's living out the PBS mission. You know, we're about storytelling, we're about helping others, and we're about getting into the community. And what better way to do that than to go into your local school and help the kids get a hands-on learning experience?
6: It offers a light bulb moment
0: to students. I always have a minimum of one to
6: two, three, four students who suddenly say, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And they wouldn't have the opportunity to say
0: that if they didn't have the student reporting labs.
8: It's going to make a difference in public media in the future. It's changed my mind on where I want to go. Now I think I want to go more towards the public media aspect of it just because I'm going to be able to give back to whoever gave to me. Thank you so much to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the American Graduate
5: Program for giving me this amazing and wonderful opportunity.
1: Great. Thanks. So one of the things that I um, didn't mention in the introduction was the work that we do with the local stations. So um, almost all of our labs are matched up with either a journalist or a producer at their local station who can come in, talk to the students about their story ideas, um, can help flesh out, you know, who in our community can you talk to to kind of really get at that story. Um, And then they also review scripts and help the students, you know, kind of build on their script writing and also review rough cuts. So that's a really important part of the program. Um, And a lot of the stations also will run the student content on their own website or on their own air. Um, And we have had, in terms of the stories that have run on the PBS NewsHour broadcast, which reaches over a million four people per evening, um, we've had 28 pieces who, produced by the students, and you know, some of the students you see here um, produce pieces that have run on the, the news hour. So that's always you know, really exciting for everyone because you're able to tell a story to a really broad public national audience. Um, so, part of the way that we work the curriculum is that we've had four assignments over the course of the year that build off of each other. Uh, the first one was really just go out and talk to some of your peers about a topic in the news. Um, the second one was about students do a profile of a student who is challenging gender stereotypes. The third was about capturing natural sound, and that's something that we're going to publish in um, uh, about probably this week or next week. Um, and then the fourth is kind of a full news package or a full mini documentary um, that the, that the students are producing. So the one that um, has we published in. Um, uh, earlier in February that has gotten a lot of attention is called Outside the Box and that was Challenging Gender Stereotypes um, and that's the one that Joel's group did uh, a piece that um, we want to play actually, Yana, if we could pull up can we pull up uh, the screen of the entire project, the entire Outside the Box project I can, um, I can put the link in the chat if that helps Sure, just let me pull it up and then I have a video to play to you Okay Do you want to play the video now? Yeah, why don't we play the video now, and I'll put the link. Okay, great. And then I'll tweet out the link as well. Brilliant. You guys ready? It's your work.
7: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, here we go.
8: I realized I was transgender when I was younger, around the age of, like, five. But I never really knew what it was called. You know that you're like, okay, I want to be a female. But at the time, I didn't know, like, that was called trans. I had a doctor, Dr. Mazur, who basically sat me down, and I didn't know what trans was at the time. I didn't know the meaning of it or trans was a thing. So when we talked about it and we discussed, you know, my feelings and how I thought and the way I saw the world and how I saw myself when I was older, he basically looked at me and said, you know, you're transgender. This is like your title. My childhood was um, normal. I would hang out with with my cousins, and we would, you know, play games and stuff. I would ask them to call me she, instead of he. And I played the character of Crystal. I was always known as Crystal playing childhood games. So, when you know, when I played the games, it was nice to hear, you know, she and her and everything. But the minute the game ended, I felt that I was like playing another game in real life.
1: When DJ. Came out and said that she was transgender. Obviously, we asked her, Are you sure or is this something that you're thinking about? Um, are you sure this is something that you want?
8: On the way to school, because my mom drives me to school, I was perfectly comfortable. I was happy. I'm like, You I'm going to go in full swing. And, you know, I was going to accept it and I was going to love it. And then we turned into the parking lot and my heart dropped. I showed up with my hair curled, my makeup fully done, all-girl clothes. And I did not look like myself. And I was scared. But my mom looked at me and said, you know, if you're happy, you're happy. If they don't like it, put on a smile and walk safely away on your heels. It's a tough road. You can do it still, but it's a tougher road. Confidence is like the key to the city. It gives you everything you need. That's what I want people to realize. Confidence is key.
1: So, first of all, Tatiana and Kat- Katrina, that's an amazing piece. Um, you guys should be so proud as well as Joel. Maybe you guys could talk a little bit about how the story originated and some of the work that went into it and the reaction that you got once um, it was it was part of our project.
0: Go ahead, either one of you. Um, well, when we started, it was kind of, well, we didn't know how to like go about it. We didn't want to make it seem like it was a negative thing, but then, but then, like, many people didn't, like, the students in our school, they didn't, like, approve of it, but then there was students that didn't really, like, care, and then there were students that that was just like, oh, no, it's against my religion, and some people was just, like, I don't know how to explain it. It, it, was, a, it was a very difficult project trying to make DJ not look like the bad one, like, just <laughs> That's
3: well I, I remember when I first came um, to meet with them the first time and heard the story I hadn't met DJ yet and it was you know it was several months back so it was at a time when this issue was brand new in the news I mean people were talking about it all the time you you almost couldn't tune into the nightly news without seeing a story about sure. a transgender person here there or wherever um, and I just felt like it was it was brave. Because it seemed like it came from a place where they wanted to know more about DJ, and it's not that they—it's not that you, either of you wanted to. You, neither one of you had an agenda. Right. It was really more of a, an informational, fact-finding mission for themselves to better understand DJ. Yeah,
0: and it was actually fun learning more about DJ, because I actually have class. I have some classes with DJ, and I actually got to know her, and like she's one of my good friends now. Like. Like, we talk all the time. She talks to me about, like, her process and how, like, how it's going at home and how, like, the support she has and people that don't support it. And, like, she, and often she comes up to me, my like, everybody, me, Kenitra, Tati, and Lydia, we all did the project. She comes up to us and, like, give us compliments and say thank you for doing this, helping others understand where I'm coming from.
1: And talk a little bit, so um, there was a story that was done about you guys and um, the, you know, the idea that this is the story that you chose to do and the reaction. Can you guys talk a little bit
4: about that?
3: Oh, when Eileen came and visited with you guys. Okay. I wasn't here for that, so you tell them
0: about that. Okay. Um,
4: um,
0: well... And, in the, in the like, originally in the video, we wanted to get positive view and a negative view. And we asked DJ, of course. But when we was trying to actually get some, like, negative views, I want to say, a lot of people were against it because they didn't want to look like the bad person in the future. Like, because, you know, whatever goes on the Internet stays on the Internet. And they didn't want to <laughs> look like a negative person. But there are some kids in the school that they say things but I'm not sure if they say things to her like face to face, but they do say some negative things and some some positive things. Um, she just get through it though. She she do give us examples and stuff, but she gets through a day.
3: Well, and I think um, Eileen Buckley is the reporter from WBFO who. Knew that I was working with these girls about this story, and I think really wanted to get a sense of what they learned from the process. And it was one of those things where this issue does have two sides. Um, But you guys did find a lot of difficulty having people voice a negative opinion on a transgender youth on camera in front of someone else. And to me, that speaks to, you know, that's a testament to. Um, sort of where we are right now, they couldn't really find a vocal person on the issue, on the other side of things.
4: Um,
1: yeah, that's, that's
4: interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Tatia. Uh, there, um, there are some people, like, in our school and stuff that was iffy about DJ and, like, her being a transgender because of, like, their religious views. Because, like, even for me and, like, another girl that's that was in our group, Kanitra, like, we're both, like... Religious and um, like in our religion, we're Christians and we believe we don't like, like, we're not um, like, yeah, like, we don't really approve of that type of stuff. But like, during this project, I learned that like you shouldn't really judge mm-hmm. until, you, until you know the person because like I, I was really iffy about it because it's because of my religious views, but like, I wanted to know more about it, more about the process. And like d j even said like she she was like like she was born a, a man, but like
7: oh, okay
4: Joel. she was she was born a man, but um she always thought of herself as a girl, and like I don't know, I feel like you shouldn't judge, and she was born that way, yeah, like she couldn't help it
2: yeah if i if I could yeah. <clears throat> pardon me, I'm sorry, I'm getting over a cold if i could h- hop in here. For a second, um, if we think about, you know, what journalism is, journalism is, you know, the finding out and the telling of a story. Um, one thing I really love about this project is the fact that um, the sense of inquiry that these girls went into it with when they first had the conversation with Ty uh, De Silva, the the, the, um, the other PBS uh, student reporting lab's uh, producer, they pitched this idea, and they were like, you know, really don't know what to think. And I think how often in education do we get that opportunity to really delve into an issue that everybody else is dealing with? We're doing research about something that needs to be researched because really nobody knows. And then I think about Lynn Bader, the reporter for, w, uh, for WNED, or WBFO, I'm sorry, um, for 88.7. And... and um, she's asking the same questions. It's that idea, that connected learning principle of having a shared purpose. So here are my students in my class trying to find out the answer within a community that is trying to find out the answer. And then on a larger scale on the city level, we have another journalist also looking into this question trying to figure out, hey, you know, what's going on here? And I just think that's a powerful mode of education because, I mean, if you look at these these two girls and, and the other two who did this story on DJ, I mean, they were able to sit down with a person they didn't know much about, about a topic they didn't know much about, and interview this person for an hour and ask about process and details and parts of the story that go way beyond gut reaction and way beyond superficiality. I mean, this was... Questions about biology, questions about um, the emotional aspects. And then after that, they got to go to DJ's house and interview her uh, and interview her parents and um, gather footage of what daily life looks like that. So to me, it's like how powerful of a view of education is that, where you get to go and capture and tell a story about something that everybody else is trying to figure out themselves.
1: Great, and um, your fellow teacher, Chris, it would be great if you could add to that about how you guys kind of manage this as, as teachers, as instructors, and kind of like um, fostering this kind of inquiry and this kind of, you know, growth and this kind of project.
5: Yeah, I think um, Tatiana, right, was saying, I think, um, a real core principle, like, yeah, uh, inquiry drives a lot of what we do, and I think a lot of what's maybe not working in schools is not giving students the space to uh, inquire and and spend a long time on a question. So I think, you know, a class like this and I think Joel's uh, does, it kind of opens up that space for students to inquire. And then I think the other big component is um, that the youth have really important things to say and they have really valid things to say, but they often don't have channels to say it, you know. So um, I'm thinking of the um, that story that you guys did. That confidence is key, and um, you know I think like that's contributing to a conversation. But it's the youth perspective. And I think these two who are with me also are looking at a problem in our community. We we live in a in a valley in the west. And, uh, in the in the wintertime the pollution is really bad even though like this like it's beautiful right now because a storm came in and it's like these mountains with snow on them and everything but um, there's a serious health problem that's in the air and um, I think our my generation we seem to not want to do anything about it like the the people who are elected officials in my community continually dodge any real meaningful change to that problem so I think these two are taking on another kind of story where the youth you know like they have to deal with this a lot longer than I will and and I think they have creative visions that need to be seen Um, and just like that story that um, in Buffalo you all are talking about these two I think um, you know they can speak for themselves but I think these students and the students in Buffalo I think there's a sense of empowerment with joining the conversation and getting the youth voice heard. Did you want to add anything to that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you guys, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of finding the story and how it feels to be able to tell that story to the rest of the world.
7: Well, we have another girl that we work with, and it's me, Mary, and Chloe, and when she was younger, uh, Dr. Andy Schoenberg came to her school and talked to them about his invention, which is a solar-powered, no-emissions vehicle, which was called the Sunzi Car, and Ty and Matt gave us a prompt about something to do with, you know, like, people in your community who are environmentally conscious, and, you know, with this inversion we had a direct kind of relationship to this because the inversion is terrible in the winter. We have red air days constantly every day. And so when we heard about Dr. Andy Schoenberg, we wanted to find out more about this solar power, you know, no emissions car. And we went and interviewed him and you know, we kinda got a sense of, you know, older generations who have, who are trying to make an impact and kind of like I don't know, you know, like the youth are kind of discovering these, Mm I don't know, inventions. Yeah, I think
6: the coolest thing about it was we got to see like what he was trying to do with this car and then we can see um, how, I guess, other people from our generation, like how they can take it farther because it's kind of reached a point, um, his inventions reached a point um, where it's not going to go too much farther. Um, But then we went and talked to another uh, professor at the University of Utah And he told us about um, how his students do a bunch of uh, projects, like senior projects, I guess. Um, And it was really cool because they have a bunch of different things. And some of them choose to work on projects uh, like the Sunzi car. And some of them actually help to make it more efficient. So it was really cool to get to see uh, how two different generations work together to solve different problems and how the, the solutions get passed on to the younger generations.
1: That's great. Yeah, and I mean, um, I'd like both set of students to talk a little bit about how reporting, you know, as a young person and talking to young people is different than if you saw it on, you know, your local um, Channel 4 or, you know, kind of if it was reported by adults.
6: Um, I think that... Okay, um, I think that... Um, for me, it's really cool to be able to, um, hear what younger people have to say, because if you see it on the news, it's like, it's kind of this far away thing. It doesn't seem, um, as close to home or as relevant to your life. Like it seems like something that's, uh, doesn't affect you as much, but when you get to be out there and be producing the news and you get to be close up, it's like, it becomes real and it becomes something that actually touches your life, um, in a real way, every day. So I guess it makes the news a lot more real for
1: me. Okay, great. What about Deja Vu and Tatiana? Can you guys talk about that kind of like how news produced, um, you know, by by students is different than if an adult did the same story? You
0: guys have thoughts uh, about that?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. One. Well, um, I I agree with. Um,
3: It's alright if you don't.
0: Yeah, sorry, (laughs) but I agree. Um, when I like, if you see like this transgender topic on the news, it's really just like, it's not like, it's it's more difficult to actually like connect with the person.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But like, if you see it from students, like from students producing it, and like young students on top of that actually covering um, a story on another young student, because. DJ she's only a sophomore actually. She's only a sophomore she's doing this at a young age. Um it's more I don't know, it's more well I would say I, I would say that they had a
3: they already had a common ground with DJ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they're all students together. They're all young people together. They're all trying to figure out these teenage years together. So they had a common ground where I think um, uh, whether it's pollution or the transgender issue in the news you know you're covering it from in some cases a celebrity or sensational standpoint in other cases you're studying or you know you're learning about it from a legislative standpoint and how our government feels about it and you know often there's that sensationalism and there isn't an opportunity to connect and that's what these girls were able to do is meet dj on common ground and I think that allowed for deeper exploration and greater understanding.
1: Um, and, you know, I think that these, that makes the story so unique. And already we have a teacher, an English teacher, AP literature teacher, who's incorporated outside the box and your story into her syllabus about gender. Um, and, you know, we have teachers who are using the kind of climate change, the environmental reporting that Chris's students are doing in kind of STEM or science, um, classes. So I think it makes a real, you know, connection um, that's important for teachers to get them to realize that what you're studying in class, whether it's, you know, gender and literature or whether it's, um, you know, the effects on the climate in your science class, like that these affect students and that they're able to tell the story. So what you're doing is really important. We had a question on Twitter about um, the reporting and editing process. Um, do you guys want to Take that um, deja vu in terms of like what you uh, you know kind of going out and shooting the story and then what decisions that you made in the editing process.
0: Go ahead, girls. <laughs> um, I'm actually starting this um, project. It was the first <laughs> project. <laughs> it was the yeah. first project we did, and Mr. Malley he just went over talking about um, natural sound and getting tons of B-roll, and it was it was a lot of B roll. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> it was a lot of B roll and we just wanted to like we wanted to focus like making it look professional. We didn't want like nothing messing up and then and then Mr. Maddie he was he was giving us some he was giving us some good pointers, I guess. <laughs> but but then there was a lot of things we we cut out and then there's like we we learned how to actually get to the point, get to the story. We learned how to actually take out things that that weren't really on topic and then it was certain things we couldn't actually put on on the um on the video mm-hmm. from DJ's approval or if we didn't really think how others would actually understand so we took some things out it was oh it was um kind of a tough pro- first it was a tough first project I wanna say well I think that's a thing
3: that that sorta of can gum up a young person when they're trying to use video and audio as a as a, story, as a storytelling device because um, I remember the first, and Joel talks about this too, um, I came into class and I said, you know, producing a video, uh, it's like writing a term paper. <laughs> okay, you do all your research, you write the term paper, you turn it into the teacher, and he turns around and hands it back to you and says, okay, now go put this to video. It's like a second process, and you have to think about that um that there are no i think they learned there's no cutting corners in this process
4: but it's worth it in the end i think that um getting the actual interview wasn't that hard because like we had tons of questions for dj so it wasn't that hard <laughs> but the editing process i didn't i don't think we thought that it would be so so long and it was a lot it took the editing process took up most of our time like mm-hmm. it, took a long time. Yeah, and then we, we also
0: learned to like always keep a pen or pencil with you in a notebook because the questions we had written down, we only had a few questions written down and then we ended up with sheets of like questions. <laughs> it was just we had so much questions. It was actually it was it was fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Do just, you feel
1: yeah. like that do you feel like that exercise of trying to, you know, kind of pare things down, um, does it affect other parts of your, you know, like other kind of topics, other subject areas, whether it's, you know, kind of papers that you write for English or ways you, so you approach um, other classes or other parts of your life? Um, yes. Actually, it kind of taught me to be like kind of
0: more organized, I want to say.
7: Because
0: mm-hmm. like when you're doing a video, you want to go step by step and you, wanna, you want you want to have a nice layout. So, like, when it comes to me and my other classes, or if I'm, like, writing a paper, I want to, like, write it off from, like, I want to write it out. Like an outline. Yeah, I want to have a nice outline. And then I don't want to have information in the essay that's kind of pointless. So it's not right. just you just reading on and on.
1: Yeah, Joel, what do you think about that? Oh, Tatiana, did you have something to say?
3: to add some stuff. Joel would like to talk. Go ahead, Mr. Malley. Yeah. So, hey, what's happening?
2: Um, no, I think that um, everybody has made such great points. And I just wanted to toss in there, you know, so I'm a writing teacher at heart. I'm an English teacher. I remember the National Writing Project, you know. I mean, writing is, for me, the foundation. And, I mean, if you think about the writing that they had to do, one of the powerful things about this story and this model, not story, but this model, um, is that they had outside input from a person that wasn't me, um, you know, Lynn here, took a look at their project in process. Uh, Ty took a look at their project in process and then gave them feedback and forced them to kind of reexamine and kind of stick with that same story and ask themselves, well, okay, you know, why really are we putting that there? You know, if we think about how writing is traditionally taught, we think about, well, here's what goes in the first paragraph, second paragraph, third all those rules are out the window, and you know what research has taught us is that if people spend more time really working on one writing project or one video project, sometimes it's a lot has much longer lasting implications than if they're just doing quick projects and uh, never really looking at them again. So I think the immersion in this type of process, uh, the editing, the working with an outside mentor, I think it, uh, like I said, I think it's a great model.
1: But those are some really great points. What about you, Chris? Do you guys, um, and and Mary and Katie, are there thoughts that you guys have about, maybe Mary and Katie, you could talk a little bit about um, the shooting process and the editing process and choices you've had to make and what you've learned from those
6: choices? Yeah, um, I think definitely, I think we've learned a lot of different things. I think um, the, ed- the uh, learning how to edit definitely has been, uh, I think, my favorite part because... Um, I had never done any real sort of video editing before this class. And then after this class, um, me and a couple other of my friends uh, basically started a TV show, like a news-based TV show about our school. And um, we've uh, just uh, been able to do that just from the things that I've learned uh, with Mr. Sloan um, in this program so far. So I think that was uh, amazing to get to learn that and then be able to do something with it.
5: Um, yeah, and yeah, no, I think if I could interject yeah. there... Um it's interesting because they did this uh, this show that she's talking about. They they do it all on their own. Ostensibly, I'm like an advisor because at a school you have to have somebody who's, you know, an adult involved. But uh, really they just went and ran with it, and, and I had very little input. Like they would ask me a couple of things, but really like they were so professional and had it so together that really I think the most impressive part of it was that there really wasn't an adult uh, <laughs> Part of it, you know, like they—they they are fully capable of shooting, con, you know, conceiving, shooting, editing, uh, polishing, compelling stories, and and they show that time and again. And they just started, so I think it's pretty amazing.
1: Um, Let's like ask the students, you know, how you feel this process has affected your view of the the news itself, or. And, and not necessarily what's on television, but everything, like what comes through your Twitter feed or ways that, you know, students are talking to each other about what's happening in this country or in this world. And so if you could talk a little bit about um, maybe where you get your news and information and how you feel like Student Reporting Labs has affected the way you view the way that current events is, you know, disseminated or talked about.
5: Yeah, I just want to preface that a little bit because we were talking about like where people get their news now, and um, you know some of the some people still you know they read the newspaper and watch the um, you know network television news, um, but I was struck with just the the various ways and and media that uh, it's happening. So like one student is like, well, I get my news through Snapchat. And it's that yeah. it kind of, you know, like, for me, that was really surprising. I, I didn't know about Snapchat stories and, you know, like, the stuff that's going on. And so these two, I'll, I'll let maybe Katie talk about it a little bit, because she had some experience with Then she's She tells stories on social media quite a bit.
7: So before taking this class, I just want to say that, like, I was not really into news, you know, and then I started taking this class, and I was like, wow, you know, there's some... You know, there's some great stuff in the news. And so then I started to follow, you know, pages on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then one Snapchat came up without, or came out with that update, and, you know, like CNN was on there. Um, I think the New York Times is on there. And so every morning I kind of got into this habit when I was eating breakfast, I'd click on it and I'd watch the news. And then I noticed that Apple then came out with this new app, and it's the news, and you can follow um Basically any any paper any magazine you know I follow New York Times Fox News I follow you know runner's world anything and so you know then mr. Sloan kind of came up with an idea Well, you know all these huge news, you know anchors are reporting why can't we report on snapchat so then we came up with the Bulldog Press snapchat and I, think, I believe Mary was in charge of the student reporting lab Snapchat and um, we decided to start using that to report and so one specific day was Nancy Miller Day and it was a day um, that Judge had in honor of a teacher who had passed away and so all the kids were in like different workshops you know doing different types of art and for lunch they had food trucks outside, there was music and it was just a really fun day and so we decided to use Snapchat to kind of you know, report the news to the students here at Judge and anybody else who wanted to follow the Bulldog Press, so we posted our handle or our username. It's kind of like a code. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a little ghost and it has little dots in it. And If you scan it, then you'll become a friend of the Bulldog Press and you can kind of see what we're reporting and stuff, but it was really great. Then we ended up using it one more time um, at an assembly that we had. We have a Keys to Success assembly. And, yeah, it's just kind of a way to interact with kids in kind of a unique way or a more kind of, I don't know, it's a way to connect with each other in a way that we're kind of used to. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all on social media. We're, you know, we're all on Instagram, Twitter. But now it's like a way that we can use it
6: as an educational way. What about well, you, you, you guys, you guys touched, touched,
1: uh, uh,
6: Jennifer, not on our well, Um
1: how has this affected the way that you look at other news sources and the way that you, um, you know, might use
4: Twitter or Snapchat? I I don't know. Like, I just, I watch the news more than what I used to because mm. I used to not really be into watching the news, but now I watch it more. Um, like, when I see, like, little, they have, like, little ads and stuff on Twitter with, like, things that's going on, like, news-wise, and like sometimes I I like watch those and stuff like that. And like share it on Facebook or something. Like some little stuff like that. What about you, Deja? Mary and Kay,
0: I just I actually just went on Snapchat and <laughs> and I just um found y'all We're guys. Checking you guys out already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I just added y'all. <laughs> but um as far as the news, um I'm I'm not totally a big fan of the news because I don't know, like, my dad... Oh, I hope he's not watching. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my Like, sometimes, like, my dad, like, he even says that, like, sometimes there's, like, a lot of negative things on the news more than, like, po- I mean, there there is some positive things on the news, but, like, when I usually watch the news, it's either, like, oh, it's, like, like, the no- local news is, like, oh, somebody has been murdered or shot and, like like, it's, like, a lot of sad things. So I don't watch the news, like, all the time, but... Um, sometimes I notice some good things, but I don't see like, like um, big stories such as like transgender or um like pollution, like a lot of like big things like that. Wise, I just see like crime. That's that's just from that's just my point. I, I, yeah.
1: So if you were the in charge of a big news organization, what would you tell your reporters? How would you change change
4: it? Um, I would okay, <laughs> I would tell them to um do what's important, not just to get you views, like from people. I would like not just like entertainment and crime and stuff like that. Like do what's really important, like in our community and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, but nothing. I would do the same, but like nothing to um. Like I would want to try to get um a lot of. I don't explain like a lot of viewers, like not just like. People that like I'll try to get the youth in into it as well because they're they're the future, and I will try to like have things that have to do with like the youth today, then like things with um elder elderly Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry, and then like just I will get but I will get important important things about that. I just won't just throw facts. Facts. Yeah. Well, and it's um
3: I think it's also really. You know, journalism is, journalism is a huge responsibility, and that's one of the things that these girls and the other classroom learned as well is that uh, we do have a million sources for our media, and it's something in, in public television that we talk about all the time, the enormous responsibility that we have to tell a story in a way that uh, is meaningful to people and makes a difference in the world. Um, so they're, they're right on track, and, and they're I think the more they learn about it now, uh, the more able they will be to make wise decisions about their news gathering and news reporting in the future.
1: Yeah. So Mary and Katie um, over there in Utah, what do you guys want to add about that? If you were, you know, kind of in charge of um, a big news organization that you know millions of people watch every night, what kind of stories? What would you tell your reporters? What kind of stories would you focus on? And how would you see your mission?
6: Uh, I think I would just say to focus on things that are. Uh, important issues um, that affect you. Um, Because, like, for me, doing this whole thing has just made me realize, um, like, how real the news is. So I'd say things that actually affect people's lives because sometimes you watch a story and it's like, oh, that's interesting, but it has nothing to do with me. And, like, when we did uh, the news TV show here, we had, like, a segment for world news, and we got a lot of feedback, like, a lot of negative feedback from students because they didn't think it was really relevant. And so we're trying to think of a way to like show how the world news can become relevant to you because sometimes if people think that it doesn't affect them, then they just don't really care about it <laughs> when it actually does affect them a lot. So I'd say, um, I guess, link uh, everything back home um, and connect it to the people that you're broadcasting to. Um, I think it's one of the most important things to get people's interest and in, um, explain how these things actually affect people.
7: I agree also. I think you have to kind of care about the situation or about a topic in order to, you know, get get kind of a meaningful, you know, re- response or, you know. And so I think just, yes, yeah, sticking at home and kind of, you know, reporting issues that are relevant and issues that, you know, mean something to you. Kind of like with the pollution thing, we're, we're, we're affected by that. So it's kind of, it makes it and it makes it more interesting knowing that it's, you know, linked to us and that this issue kind of matters to us.
1: So I think we had another question on Twitter about um, kind of the ethics of reporting and kind of how you see your um, responsibilities as reporters when you go out into the field to tell stories. Maybe, Chris and Joel, you can talk about that from the teacher's perspective, you know, kind of how you make sure that um, those things are kind of a part of your program.
5: Uh, I'll go really quickly because I have an example that comes right to mind. <clears throat> you know, last year we had some students looking at. Uh, you know, whenever there's a school shooting that happens, typically the news kind of circles around this person had mental uh, health issues. And so um, I had some students who looked at you know mental health and gun violence. And one of their um, one of their interviews was with a student who was you know he was having some. Um, you know, some men, he he was open about it. He was having some mental health issues, and um, and he wanted to talk about his brother's suicide. So this is really serious stuff. So we went through a lot of steps. that so we talked to the family. You know, is that okay? We we did pre-interviews with the student and showed him the the role and and talked about is that you know fair? Is that what you want to do? And so something that was really personal and really sensitive. I guess we were um, you know these people they know how to behave ethically and morally you know the students right here and the students I work with so I mean there's there's journalism ethics but there's just human ethics that um, I think they're they're very careful about and again last year those were students that led those conversations um, with the parents and with the student
2: yeah mr. Um, yeah. So I'm just thinking, um, you know, first real journalism is do no harm, right? And I think what is important about what happens in the English classroom, what's important about what happens in, you know, this workshop classroom is that, you know, I'm there at every step of the way. You know, so when these students by themselves came up with the idea of exploring this idea, I had to ask myself, okay, what angle are they coming from? You know, um, you know, do I trust them with the story? And with these girls, I absolutely did. And I mean I've known them for four years. They're in my freshman English class, I have them again, so I've, i I know them. Then you kind of watch the process. And um, you know, I think that at every step of the way, they kind of showed that that, um, that that professionalism. But I think it's all about you know, you're there. It's not these films and these stories aren't taking place um, outside the purview of of um, you know some sort of supervision. So you got to keep an eye on things um, and as far as our subject as I know a question was asked on Twitter about you know safety and things like that and, and I think these girls were very good about making sure the DJ had the questions beforehand the DJ was comfortable with the parts of the story that they were going to share so at every step of the way you know we respected our subject they respected their subject and they they talked with her uh, about po- some of the possible things that might happen and they chose well they chose. A girl who's very strong, they chose a girl who is very uh, strong willed and has a great voice and is willing to speak on such things and speak on such a delicate issue, so I think that 's all part of you know the ongoing decision process that happens in in, in the classroom in a journalism classroom
1: so um, you know here at Student reporting Labs, we get applications If you go to our website, um, which is posted in the preview to this um, webinar. Um, You'll see that there's an application, and so you can apply, um, but it's hard, right, Joel and Chris? I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a time commitment. This fit into your class, which is awesome, and to all your goals of you know what you're doing with the National Writing Project. What would you say to um, you know either students who are not a part of the Student Reporting Labs or educators who can't you know commit to becoming a Student Reporting Lab? But what would you want them to take out of what you guys are doing that they could apply on kind of in, in smaller increments? Maybe we could talk with you, Joel, and and your students, you know, what they would say to students who are not in the reporting labs, what they can kind of, you know, practice with journalism that will help them kind of understand, you know, current events and and be able to tell stories in whatever ways that they can.
2: Mm -hmm. So I would just say that, you know, these students they've got these powerful tools in their pockets. When I started making videos with my students in 2001, we had a $500 video camera and a $1,500 computer. Now every kid has in their pocket something that is so much more powerful than those tools we had back then, and editing is so much easier than it was back then. So I would say, first of all, trust your students and help them rely on the tools that they have in their pockets. Um, The second thing that I would say is trust your students to have answers that you don't. Um, So if you do not have Final Cut Pro or you do not have iMovie in your classroom, um, they know ways to tell stories. These two ladies right in front of you. They were – I challenged them with a one-minute video statement of them to kind of go along with their cover letter and resume project that they were doing. Um, And they came to me. They said, you know what? Malik, we've got this tool called FlipTastic. You know, we understand all the things you've taught us about journalism, and we understand what you said about um, B-roll and rule of thirds and steady camera and good lighting. Now, could we try all those lessons out with this tool and see if we could tell a, a- tell a story that way, you know, there's Vine, there's all these different free tools out there the kids are really good at or want to try because they've seen their friends trying so I say if you trust your students in those two ways you're going to be pretty you know amazed with the result and then don't sacrifice all those things that makes your class a great place in the first time in the first place like tr- you know you know what a good project is you know what it takes in order to have something be meaningful in your classroom and I think if you follow those three rules I think uh, you're going to be pretty amazed with the results.
5: Well, I'm going to add a fourth rule then. (laughs) So I would say, uh, you know, the power of the interview. Like any class, um, there's so much uh, energy that you can bring to it if students take their phones and go interview someone who knows something about the the topic uh, that they're researching. And, you know, like I don't have to have a full-blown journalism class, a media lab to have students, whatever they're studying, you know, go out and, and with someone's permission, interview them about the content that they're uh, doing in whatever class they're doing, and then uh, whipping that up into a quick video. Uh, it doesn't take much, like Joel said. It doesn't take much, but I would say the power of the primary source is important for education instead of always relying on secondary sources, you know, textbooks or research is great, but um, primary sources talking to experts, and I use the term experts loosely, we're surrounded by experts.
1: What do you think Mary and Katie, what would you add to that kind of final thoughts about, um, you know, how students who are not a part of this program can take what you guys have learned?
6: Um, I think um, just go with what you want to do, because I think there are a lot of students that are really interested in this kind of thing that don't really know how to go about it, like my friend, um, the news show we came up with, it was her idea, and she's not in this class at all, and she's done a little bit of video editing, but she just came to me because she knew I was in the class and was like, this is a thing we should do, and I think there are a lot of resources to students they don't really realize, um, and I think Katie can talk about this more than I can, but definitely social media um, I think is a great way to uh, for a lot of kids to tell their stories.
7: Yeah, like Mary said, even even if you're not in this class, you can still have your voice heard, you know. Now we have hashtags, you know, we have, you can just put people's names in Twitter, you know, you can comment on things. You can get your voice out there. You don't need to have, you know, a whole media class. You know, we have Snapchat. You know, there's other ways to get your voice out there other than just, you know, the PBS recording labs, even though that is great. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Deja Vu and Tashkana what do you guys have to add?
0: Um, I think honestly students should definitely take this like these classes um before I took this class I mean honestly like I seen like some of my friends from last year taking the class and they were just like they always walked around with the camera and they just look cool so you know I want to take the class too so this year when I was taking the class I actually, like, learned a lot. Like, I was holding the camera so wrong. It's not this way. It's this way. Like, you're watching TV. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so Mr. Malley, like, when I'm on Snapchat, he yells at me because I'm holding the camera wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. like, I learned so much. And then, like, I go home and I show my dad, like, how to hold the camera because he's trying to actually learn how to work phones. Sorry, Dad. Um, But, honestly, like, I would definitely recommend this to the students, like, this class is actually this is actually the best class for me. Like I look forward to this class during the day. Do you have anything to add?
3: I have one thing I want to add, but go oh. ahead. Um, I agree. I, I really like this <laughs> Um I would say, you know, as a professional in the field, it's a joy to work with young people, and it's been so um, rewarding to be able to hear their voices because. I mean, like you said, Chris, they have a lot to say. Young people have a lot to say. And as long as we have an opportunity and they understand how to use the tools as a responsible storytelling device, I think we need to encourage that. I mean, and finally, I'm not a teacher, but, Joel, maybe maybe you can chime in as well. Children, All children learn very differently. And I think we get bogged down in, in, uh, in a syllabus or in a lesson plan or a way to try to get kids to think and if these tools can help these kids think, then I think that that's the best outcome of all.
1: Yeah, Joel, final thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, so I don't know that I can add much more to that powerful statement and add anything meaningful to the conversation because um, I, think that, uh, I think that that's it. <laughs> all right, great. Well, Sorry to be such a dud. I was on a roll before. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> well, I think that, you know, the fact that your students are so, you know, eloquent and were able to express all that they did is testament that, you know, you're doing your job really, really well. Um, so thanks, everyone. This has been a great conversation. You know, I'd love for it to go on, but we've reached we definitely reached our hour. Um, Joel and um, Deja Vu and Tatiana and Lynn up in New York and across... Across the way, Chris, Mary, and Katie, thank you all for joining us. Um, And for anyone who, you know, wants more information about student reporting labs, come visit our site, view all the great videos that these guys have produced, um, and, you know, apply, and we'll make it happen. So thanks, everyone. Um, I think there's a script that I'm supposed to read at the end. yeah, this is, you know, was the third webinar um, of our series on journalism today, I think we heard a lot about, um, you know, what reporting can do for young people and the way that it changes, the way they they view what's going on in the world, and, and being able to master those tools, I think, is really important. Um, again, we can keep the, you know, conversation going with the hashtag to NextPrez. Um, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the election, but I think that you guys you know, this reporting experience that you've had um, makes you in a prime position to tell stories that will mean a lot to the political discussion that's going on in our country. Um, there will be a full video recording of this webinar immediately on um, connectedlearning.tv um, with all the other current and the links that we've talked about. And if you found this conversation helpful, you know, please share it. Um, You know, you can keep asking me questions at at LCLAP, um, as well as the the teachers and the students who are part of this. Um, And be sure to visit educatorinnovator.org and sign up for the email newsletter. I I know I find it really helpful. So um, that's it. Thanks again, and everyone good night.
5: Thank you. Nice talking to you. Bye.